Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, he's manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Eric. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> wow. Wow, I don't know what to do now. I'm totally thrown. I like saying hello, Ward, because it takes me off the hook for coming off, coming up with something off the top, off the dome. Well, look, you you had that pregnant pause there. We we're just giving ourselves a gap in the editing to know where to come in. And I was like, this is my chance. I've always wanted to say hello, Eric, first. No, that's not true. I just thought of it in the moment. Yeah, no, that was good. That was a, re- a good look. That's what's going to put this episode over the top. <laughs> I think we both know that. Listen, real quick. Top of the show. Yeah. Different episode for us today. It is. A guest. The main guest today is somebody we've had on multiple times. But because of what IU basketball is doing, we felt like we had to have this guy back up. He's been requested by several people to come back on because of what IU basketball is doing. And that's the show today. Really kind of a where are we show after the roller coaster ride we've been on. So really excited to have that gentleman back on. But as always, we are powered by communitycars.com. We did a spaces recently where Steve Morgan from Straight No Chaser, the genius behind the communitycars.com jingle, mm-hmm. was on and we made him a speaker. He had something to say. And so Ward and I did the following. Communitycars.com. And Steve responded with, guys, why don't you just leave that to me? It said what He said what everybody else was thinking. What everybody was just thinking right now. Yeah. Um, look, we started this podcast over four years ago. Uh, that was in 
when December, yeah, roughly December of 2018. Correct. Yeah. And then several months later, I attended the Victor Oladipo, Archie Miller, Indiana fantasy camp. And at that fantasy camp, a guy came up to me and said, Hey, you're Eric from Hoosier Hysterics, right? And I said, yeah. And he introduced himself as Evan Martin. And Evan played in that league. And we became really good friends just from that weekend experience, which is what that weekend experience gives you. You just become friends with people. It bonds you in a really cool way. And Evan and I have become friends since then, close friends. Ward and Evan have become friends since then. And that forged our relationship with Community Cars right then. He loved what we were doing with the podcast. He loved connecting the different eras of Indiana fandom to the players. He he loved the passion that our show has for Indiana athletics. And it's the same as his passion for Indiana athletics. And his family has supported Indiana athletics through sponsorships, through, you know, the, the main sponsor for the coaches shows and, and a big advertiser and supporter for Indiana for many years. And then when we started NIL, Evan jumped in as one of our first people that was like, what do you need from me? How can I help? And he's been a huge supporter of our NIL efforts. And it just speaks to the kind of guy that Evan is. And when you purchase a car, you have a lot of choices on where to purchase a car, a lot. And let's be honest, the cars are all the same, right? The name on the dealership changes. The car is all the same, no matter where you get it from. The question is, where do you want to spend your hard-earned money? Are you happy with giving the person across the desk your money? Because it's going to go to someone. And what I would just say is this is a guy who has uh, a great family. They've built a community, helped build a community in and be part of the community in and around Bloomington. They employ over 300 people. They give to Indiana. They support Indiana student athletes. They support us. And if you're in the market for a car and you want to be treated with respect and dignity, and you want to know that your money's going to a good guy and a good company that takes care of its employees and the community, Community Cars is where you go. I think this is okay to say. You tell me if it's not. But as a recent, very, very, very recent example of how great a guy Evan Martin is and how great of an IU fan he is, my great dear buddy from kindergarten, Jared Frank, we went to IU together uh, he's my fraternity brother, too, and he wanted to take his three kids to their first Indiana University game ever, and uh, he was having trouble finding tickets, and you were kind enough to get him four. We needed a fifth, and Evan stepped up. Evan stepped up, got him another great seat at, just out of the kindness of his heart and said, here you go go have a great time with your family because it's it really is just about that shared love of this program that has brought us close with Evan and his family and the way his family supported not only this podcast but more importantly the Indiana basketball team it's such a beautiful thing being part of Hoosier Nation and and I feel like Evan and his family and his company exemplify that they do you know who else exemplifies Hoosier Nation as well as it could possibly be represented? The Coach IU women's. <laughs> yes, the IU women's basketball team. So we recorded our episode last week with Marco Killingsworth, which, by the way, has gotten a ton of buzz online. The video of it is available to pigs.com VIP subscribers only. I do think it's worth it if you are not a Pig subscriber. Subscribe just to see Marco. This interview is, as the kids say, off the chain. And it's uh, it's fire. 
It's fire. It's total fire. Uh, by the way, the new one that my kids say when something is good now, you say that ate. Oh, really? I'm like when we were kids, if you ate it, it sucked. Wait, ate or ain't? Eight. A T E. That eight. So, oh, like what, you're being like, like you're being you're feeding them. Yeah, like that song eight. Or I just like I did my performance yesterday and or Trace Jackson Davis eight against Michigan State. Yeah, I like, get it. It's it's the evolution of feed them. Yes, feed but em. when we were kids, if you said ate it, you would be like, well, he sucked. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. Like things are really changing, Ward, and I don't like it. Um, <laughs> but we recorded that podcast last Wednesday, right before Indiana played Illinois, who was ranked 21st in the country on the road, and we beat them 83 to 72. Uh, I mean, it was a tight game for a while, and then Indiana just rolled them. I mean, they are so much fun to watch, and they beat you from every part of the game. Every part. Mackenzie Holmes is the best post post player in the country. The best. Grace Berger is probably the best all-around guard in the country. Point guard, passing, dribbling, defense, mid-range shot. And then we've got three-point shooters, you know, set up with um, – Sarah Scalia, who is uh, struggling lately in a real slump, but we've got Sidney Parrish filling it up from three. And maybe the best freshman in the country, Yarden Garzon from Israel. Yeah, baby. Look, it's shooting 50% from three, dude, and she's taking like four or five a game. I guess when you have a coach who puts a roster like this together and has a style of play like this, it's inevitable that she become the winningest coach in Indiana women's basketball history. Like, so deserved. And frankly, if you've been following them for a few seasons, completely expected and really only a matter of time. And and you realize, I mean, she hasn't even been here that long, relatively speaking, for people who, who are taking over a Power 5 team that's been playing basketball with the ladies for, you know, decades. And I, I think... It's just the first of so many times she's going to, I mean, she's already got other firsts, but it's almost just like scratching the surface of how she, she will be the head on the Mount Rushmore of IU women's basketball. She's already on there, obviously, but like you want to talk about above her. I mean, I think she's there now. No, that's what I'm saying. She's, she's like, she's it, right? Like she's, she's already the most important figure in Indiana women's basketball history. And I feel like she's just getting started and she's going to be what branch McCracken and or coach Knight was for the men's. She is actively that now for women's basketball. I'm glad you brought that up because I think, you know, you think of branch, you think of Bob Knight, but I'm going to go even further. You think of Jerry Yeagley, you think of doc councilman, you know, you think of these incredible coaches that have come through Indiana. Now, all of them have national championship bona fides behind them. I think Terry's getting the program where it can compete for that. I don't know. I mean, look, it's so hard, right? You still have UConn and Stanford and South Carolina and these, you know, just programs that have been the top programs for decades that just have like this institutional advantage, but that's where she's put us. And that's where her name is going to live in history of Indiana is with those legends absolute legends of indiana university i mean and if she plays her cards right and we get a little lucky because you do have to get lucky she could be one of the greatest of all time 
I mean, she just period. Just and it's amazing. It's just amazing get, to watch. Just get a big hunk of bronze ready to shape into Coach Morin. By the time she decides she she just wants to smoke cigars down on a porch and see more full time, uh, there there will be a great tribute to her as you walk into Assembly Hall. Uh, but I hey, that, that's we're talking decades down the road. Decades. Uh, just enjoy what is already a very special season that I, I think has all the potential to be one that we all remember forever. Now. There is a huge game that's happening in just a few hours where we play at Michigan and Michigan is ranked 14th in the country. So if we happen to lose that game, don't hold this against us. We stand by every word of it. Uh, the team is playing great and I can't wait to watch the game tonight. That's IU women's basketball. Ward, it's happening. I'm getting excited for IU football. It's happening. It is. Well, I, I don't know really why, I love that we got Taven Jackson to be our quarterback of the future. Yeah. I also like some people are going to have a real problem with this in his press conference yesterday, or I should say, uh, I guess it was on Saturday or it could have been yesterday, Sunday, Tom Allen basically said, we're not looking for another quarterback. We've got Taven in, in tow. We've got, you know, Dexter Williams injury that we're going to monitor but we're not really looking for another guy. We got four quarterbacks and that's what we're going with. And to me, what I like about that is it's why we love recruiting. We love the future. We love what's next. And to me, that sounded like I'm committing to go young and build this thing. And I'm excited about it. They've gotten a bunch of transfers from division one schools that have played high level college football. And they brought in this guy from, or is it from Auburn? Is that right? Am I am I screwing it up? But they brought in basically a general manager of recruiting mm, to reshape right. how we do recruiting and to focus on the transfer portal and to focus on evaluation, which I think is so much more important for a school like Indiana, which has no margin of error from missing on five recruits. You can't. Right. Like We have to be better than everybody on evaluation. We may not be better on talent acquisition, but we have to be able to identify those diamonds in the rough and then develop them. And Bailey, of course, wants to go outside. Well, but I'm excited for football. I'm excited for football. You feel like you, okay, terrible season, bunch of guys leaving, we're dead in the water. But love it or hate it, good or bad, this is where the transfer portal can flip your roster in one offseason and not to say we're we're Big Ten contenders next year. I don't think anybody's thinking that. But it's like, okay, well, the mix we had last season and the season before really wasn't really wasn't working. And so you have a chance to just flip that roster around, get a new chemistry going, uh, and see see what happens. So I think it's still so unknown. Like I don't know anything about any of these guys coming in besides Jackson. And even then, it's not like. You muted yourself. <laughs> and other schools got players also. You know, correct. Like we're, correct. We're not the but, only one making incremental improvements. Yeah. Well, and you don't, you know, you don't even know necessarily if it's improvement or not, but it's different. And one thing I do know I want from the last couple seasons is a different football team. Hey, I've said this before. I'll say it again. When I was at WWE and Vince would look at the roster 
And he would like, you know, the roster was kind of ranked most important to least important. And he would like cross off the last three people and bring in three new people that everyone knew had no chance of being any better than the three people we were getting rid of. There was no chance. Everybody knew it. And Vince would simply say, guys, new shit is better than old shit. <laughs> and and it's true. Especially, it is true. Especially is in the true. off season. Well, I look, you're not going to like this. Um, you're not going to like this comparison. But like when you got rid of when Philip Rivers retired yep. and you brought in Matt Ryan, there was a level of excitement. Well, well, well it, we went from Rivers to Wentz. Oh, sorry, Wentz. But when you got rid of Wentz and brought in Matt Ryan, there was a level of excitement. New shit. New shit is better than old shit. It's yeah. still shit. And by the way, Carson Wentz replacing Philip Rivers was the same thing. It's oh. just new shit is better than old shit until that new shit becomes old shit. Until that new shit starts to stink real bad. Yeah, and it <laughs> happens. You know why? Because it's shit. But I'm not saying that's what's happening with Indiana football. I am excited. Getting Taven Jackson was a guy that they recruited hard when he yeah. committed to Tennessee. He was a guy that was offered by all the big SEC schools, Big Ten schools, and now we have him with four years of eligibility. Dexter Williams showed some stuff before his catastrophic knee injury. I am worried about whether he ever comes back from that. But And Jalen Lucas is a stud who seems to be like, all in totally bought in on Indiana all in that's that's huge yeah we we almost should have mentioned that up top just to see a guy like that who he could have gone to any school he wanted to this offseason based on what he did this this past year but to be like okay there there's a leader there's a star you can really point to for all the the guys who remain the new guys coming in and being like look man believe and and these guys Right now, all they really have is is belief, and you got quite a few months here to instill that and kind of forget what has been happening and believe you can start to claw your way back into respectability in the Big Ten. And let's just hope that – I like how you said this commitment to being young because this is not a quick fix. You're not a bad football program for like a century and and think that you're going to be competing at the the top of the Big Ten in a season or two. And I think maybe we fooled ourselves into thinking we had yeah. that great of a uh, a coach who could just absolutely perform miracles. But for him to take a deep breath and be like, okay, I got a couple guys behind center here that I can really build around, um, and that I think that that will give us all a little bit more patience. Knowing like, okay, we're young, but there's potential as opposed to, gee, we just had this senior transfer in. And if he doesn't work out in the first three games, this season's a wash. We'll, we'll be a little more, more patient in the next season or two, I hope. Did you see this story that came out a couple of weeks ago? I don't think we discussed it here about the Louisville series. No. So the story was Indiana is supposed to play Louisville. In, in a series of games coming up starting this year. The first one is at Louisville coming this next season. And a story came out, which is not great for us, obviously. It's a non-conference game. I wish you, I wish we were talking about basketball right now. I know, I know. <laughs> well, that's the problem. And in football, when you're a program like Indiana, you just got to get wins in the non-conference because yeah. the conference, especially with divisions still, it's too hard to get wins. Okay, but whatever. 
we signed these football deals like seven, eight years in advance, right? So you don't know. Now Louisville's got Brome, who was the Purdue coach who did really well there. And, you know, they've historically been better than us. And the story came out that Indiana reached out to Louisville to say, hey, uh, what if we just cancel that? <laughs> and there is a pre-negotiated, as I understand it, kill fee for if if one of the programs wants to bail, they can, mm. but they owe money. And it's like $2 million, something Damn. like that, to get out of it. And apparently Indiana was considering it. Now, I haven't talked to anybody. I don't know the validity of this. I will say this. I totally understand why Indiana would want to bail on it yeah. and then schedule, you know, the, you know, Sherman Oaks girls choir to play them in the non-conference. I get it. And that's what they should have done instead of scheduling another power five non-conference team. They should have done that because we're Indiana. We're not Ohio state. We shouldn't be doing what they're doing in scheduling. Okay. But you did. And I don't like calling them and trying to bail on it. I don't. I think mm -hmm. it's a pussy move. I hate it. I hate it. I think it makes us look. If we're willing to spend $2 million to get out of that game. Now, I think what Indiana would say is it's not really spending $2 million because that's a road game and we're going to fill it with a home game. So we make the money well, back. And if we can somehow get into a bowl game because of that extra right. victory. I agree. But that's all if, 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 if. Right. Right. And, and I don't know how much money it takes to run Memorial Stadium, but a non-conference game for this upcoming season is not going to get a bunch of people in the stance. It's just not. Not with what has happened with the football program the last couple of years. I don't know how much money they actually make in profit from one home game. But I just don't like the message it sends. I feel like, you know what? Take your lumps. You scheduled it. Do it. Uh, well, I know all the logical reasons for getting out of it. I hate the message it sends about what we think of our own football program. Well, and it's not like this is Georgia or or uh, Alabama, right? It's Louisville. And, or and Notre Dame, which is a game that we scheduled that we should be trying to get out of right now for <laughs> 2030 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So um, point to that and be like, okay. We're a Big Ten school. Like, let's let's go show them that we're ready to compete right now. Uh, it doesn't bother me. I mean, you just told me about it, and I yeah, can't sure. say I, it really worked me up into a froth. But sure, just go down to Louisville. They're they're the Cardinals. Okay, let's let's not be scared about that game. Uh, but I, I'm just excited that we have something to be excited about over the next few months with a program that you know much more recently basically before jackson said he was coming in we're like oh god how are we even gonna pretend that the fall is something to look forward to now we can at least fool ourselves and maybe actually turn out to be right well spring football is going to be really interesting because like who's going to emerge from the quarterback room you know, they have a couple upperclassmen but like or guys who have been there, but they're not great. Could Taven win the job from day one? Like, he's going to be given a chance to win it. He's well, going to be given a chance to go out and win it. And it's not like he was down there eating potato chips. Uh, he was playing against some really good, even if they were second or third unit defenses at Tennessee. I mean, that, that guy's developed since he left Indiana and now coming back, sure. I mean, I, I, I don't know much about 
the other quarterbacks haven't really seen a lot of tape on them. But right. if if Jackson's all that, I kind of think he should be our starting corner quarterback uh, sometime this season. Do you think that he was not eating potato chips? Like, do you do you have some information about his potato chip affection? Well, if if I say much more, then it'll become obvious who my source is. Right. So right. let's just could say, he be eating tortilla chips? Does that count? There were a few cheesy poofs. That's what I heard. <laughs> poofs. All right. Well, now let's get to the body of the show. And as always, this segment of Hoosier Hysterics is presented by. IU Ventures presents a segment without pretense. Hoosier Hoopla just for you. Getting there. You're getting there. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm workshopping different things, man. I'm workshopping different things. The point is, our friends at IU Ventures sponsor this segment of Hoosier Hoopla, where we talk about all things Indiana men's basketball. And hell yeah, are we talking about it today? My brother, we have really gone through some thin, hard times with this program since we started this podcast. And even just thin think- and hard. Thin and hard, thin and hard. Just thinking. No, nope, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. I am. I'm moving on. Oh, oh I thought you were about to go to like, just like. No, no, I wasn't. Because my mind's not in the gutter all the time like yours. Bullshit. Yeah, Bullshit. You're, you're right. Yeah. Listen, listen, listen. I just wanted to get onto the zoom this morning with you and talk about indiana basketball because it's so fun right now it really recently was not fun and now it's really really fun again it's fun to talk about it because it's fun to watch it i have you know what else a- is fun what what else is fun is solving real medical problems out there that's oh, fun. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, you got you got there real quick. All right. Yeah, I was going to bring it back around. But sure. oh, well, how are you? I thought I had a way to bring it. Well, how are you going to bring it back around? Well, I don't know now. You know me. I just kind of figure it out as I go. But I was getting there. I, I thought there was a 50-50 chance that you forgot we needed to do something for IU Ventures. I'd say it was more than 50-50 chance. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have fun talking about IU Ventures because Indiana's success stories galore. It's Indiana on both sides of the equation, bringing the, the, the solutions to the table and on the other side, bringing the, the funding and the resources necessary to get some very important things done. So today we're going to talk about what IU Ventures is doing with MBX Biosciences. It's a clinical stage biopharmaceutical company headquartered in Carmel, Indiana, not Carmel, creating therapies to treat, to create, to treat rare endocrine diseases where there is no adequate treatment available. So IU Ventures has ponied up $1 million and put it into MBX. And MBX was founded by uh, IU Bloomington distinguished professor, Richard DeMarchi. I believe I'm saying that correctly. And this guy is an internationally recognized expert in peptide chemistry. You know what that is, right? Peptide chemistry. We don't need to go into that. Everybody knows what peptide chemistry is. Everybody knows what peptide chemistry is. But he's also big in biochemistry and pharmacology and IUPUI. Let's leave off the PU part. Mostly the the IU part. uh, Alumnus Kent. Boy, how do you say that one? 
Haraluk. Haraluk and Tim Knickerbocker. That's a great name. These guys are all doing stuff that makes people's lives better. And IU Ventures is right there giving them the funding and support they need to make the world a better place. And look, this is what's so great about IU Ventures. As we've talked about, it's really a three-pronged approach. The first is if you're an entrepreneur or an inventor or have some IP or have a biopharmaceutical breakthrough, they are there to actually write checks and fund your business and help you get on your way to make a really viable company and do good work. The second is if you want to be an investor, an angel investor, you don't have to be an expert. And over the coming weeks, we'll talk about some investors who've had some success there. But you want to support IU people because IU Ventures only invests in companies that are run or started by or created by IU students, alumni, faculty, or staff. Well, you can put your money into this and get involved in companies like this and then see the benefits when those companies have a liquidity event and make a little money. That's the second prong. And the third prong is if you just want to learn about this stuff, get educated, go to iuventures.com iuventures.com. It's free. Sign up for the email newsletter and find out about all these amazing companies and these inventors and what's happening with IU Ventures. And then at some point you may decide to jump in, but iuventures.com free email newsletter. This is IU's version of Shark Tank. It is unbelievable. We love being partners with them. I want to say one thing. Yeah. This is what IU Ventures and what they're doing. This It makes me think of this quote. Kurt Vonnegut. I don't know what it is about Hoosiers, but wherever you go, there is always a Hoosier doing something important there. It is a great quote. The, and the Hoosiers doing great here are not just the IU Ventures people, but obviously the businesses that they're investing in. So now let's get to the show. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Oh, he's back. He's back to discuss the Indiana men's basketball team with us on this segment of Hoosier Hoopla. You know, we're hoping the tune is going to change, not just from him, not just from us, from everybody, not just today, but going forward for the rest of the season. But that that's just speculation. Eric, who's with us, and what do you think he's going to say? I, I think I can say quantifiably, this is our most requested guest on the show, even though he is our most regular guest on the show. But people were hitting me up on PMs on Pigs, on DMs on Twitter, on texts, on emails. Everybody was asking, please have this guy back on. Please have this guy back on this week. We have to hear him. Ladies and gentlemen, he is back. He is the former Big Ten player of the year. He is one of the greatest to ever wear the candy stripes. He is the man, number 34, Brian Evans. All right, BMs. Well, here we go. So, look, I think personally I've had to eat a lot of crow for my negativity that I saw after, especially after the Northwestern and Penn State and Iowa games. It felt like the ship was sinking and there was no return from it. And then the last three games happened. Wisconsin, Illinois, and Michigan State, where Indiana won by scores, by margins of 18, 15, and 13, and really controlled the game from the second half of the Wisconsin game on. Indiana's been in control. Brian, 
What say you about Indiana's performance recently? Completely different effort. I mean, okay. we could we could look at this a hundred different ways, but what were we what were we complaining about? By the way, buddy, I am not eating any crow, and I don't think you should either. We we were we're huge Indiana fans that were disgusted by what we were seeing, but I, there's no question what we were seeing. I I'm, I know what I was looking at, and it was garbage. And now okay. something happened. These guys are playing with each other for each other. Uh, just just a different level of effort. Not it's not perfect basketball, but those are three really good wins. And it looked when, when we talked last time. I mean, there was absolutely reason to be concerned that we were going to a tailspin and the season was going to be a disaster because we we just weren't seeing effort. And right. if it, I mean, it has to start with effort, and we weren't getting any. And then so now you got no effort, and then now things look disorganized, and guys are like we said, all on like kind of on their own island defensively. And, hey, I, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what they, if there's some magic at practice or, you know, some well, breakthrough strategically. I mean, oh. I would say the, the one thing that has gotten out, out to we the public is that Trace did call, and it sounded sort of informal. It wasn't like, no, coaches can't come in here, but it was like a players-only meeting, and, and that – that seems uh, from the outside the only thing that's really changed is that that was before the Wisconsin game and whatever was said and however it was said seemed to have really worked when you're watching this as a former player and from those treacherous three games to these really delightful last three games you think it could be as simple as your your leading player, your stud, gathering the other guys together and saying, "Dudes, we we have got to get our heads out of our asses." Well, I, I, it could be. I, I know that everybody loves that. You know, when they hear about a private private meeting, <laughs> players only. Everybody loves that shit and like wants that to be like. And then, you know, anoint him king because he had a meeting. The fact of the matter is. They should have been meeting every day, you know, five o'clock sharp as a team to try to figure out what the hell was wrong with them when they weren't playing. Um, you know what I mean? That, that, that really, you could argue that should have been an everyday meeting. Let's figure this thing out. Something's wrong. Something's broken. But they did it. I mean, they, you know, let's just hope it continues. But there's no question that there, there's a different effort. Um, it doesn't hurt when you get several guys knocking in a couple threes. I mean, just a little bit of shooting can go a long way. I think, you know, we have these games that we don't, we don't make nearly enough three pointers. We don't attempt nearly as many as most teams. And to me, it's like, you see uh, Tamar Bates knocking a few and Galloway knocking a few, but I think early in the game too, I think we've got a team that outside of trace and maybe one or two others isn't super experienced, isn't, super comfortable on the court and just maybe that you know knocking down I think especially for Galloway to, to knock down his first two shots I'm not saying anything's wrong with him there's a lot of great players that you know but you either find out if they're hot or they're not and that's going to determine how many minutes they get in the game in his case seeing the ball go in a couple times did a lot for his confidence then he looked I thought he looked really good you know for the the rest of the game and he looks like an important piece but you just got to make a couple shots. We've had so many games where we just, 
you know, we haven't hit enough three-pointers or attempted enough three-pointers. makes it hard. Brian, uh, did you ever call or were you ever part of a double-secret probation players meeting when in your time at Indiana? Oh, there's uh, – yeah, man, there's always there's, those are always going on, but now now the players like to leak it to the uh, general public. That's made it you know trendier nowadays. But now there's always there was always meetings and like, hey, <laughs> coach is really unhappy. Plus, <laughs> we got to figure this out. Let's all get together and talk about it for ten minutes. It's it's called being a part of a team. It's not that big of a event. Got it. Yeah, okay. I don't even care if you're winning. I mean, even this, I don't even care if you're winning. You know, you could be winning and going, hey, you know, this this happened or these two guys got into you're with each other all the time. There's always reasons to, to sit there and talk as a team. Now, if you go through the, you know, the hoops of like locking the door and kicking out the managers and kicking out, then 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 that's a double whatever you call it, double secret meeting probation, man, double secret probation. Hey, man, well, the, the locker room was a place that you talk and. and we always had open dialogue in there about what's going on. How do we get better? What, what's, what was broken today? That's normal. So let's, let's get your expert eyes on both ends of the court. Let's start defensively. You touched on that earlier, but in these last three games compared to the prior three, what specifically are you seeing that we're doing that's so much more effective? I mean, effort, Okay, that's a, that feels like a little bit more of an intangible, but how does that translate into how we're actually guarding guys better? Well, we were so broken, you know, in those three games, and it seemed like it got worse and worse. Where they were getting, the other teams getting layups after layup after layup, and, and just uncontested shots. Um, and that, and that's what was so bad about that time was we we didn't look like we'd ever played with each other. We'd ever, you know, been in a game with one another there for a minute. And that and that's not how we looked earlier in the season. We didn't look like that. So I don't I couldn't tell you what happened. It just something snowballed on us. And next thing you know, it's like well, they're getting layups and, and we're all standing kind of straight legged. Um I don't see that now. You know, they're they're playing they're playing more together for sure. You can see guys communicating a little better. You you know if you're paying attention to what I'm looking at, they're they're talking to each other on ball screens. You could you could see that they're communicating, but bigger than that, I just think it's a bigger effort. You know, I we can't go back and figure out why we weren't getting a great effort. Something was off, and and now you're seeing a better effort. Uh, and then on the offensive side, to finish Ward's Ward's point here, what are you seeing offensively other than what you already said, which is, I mean, obviously when Tamar Bates hits five threes and and Trey Galloway hits three, and the two of them combined go, what, eight of nine from the yeah. three-point line? That's, that's 24 yeah. points we weren't getting before. <laughs> yeah, that'll. I mean, truthfully, that'll win you a game, right? And it did. It did win us a game. So, you know, you, you hope you can always have one or two guys that you're not necessarily expecting it from uh, do that. A lot of pressure on on Trace, man. I mean, I you got to call that out. I mean, that's just there's a there's a workload right now that he's he's successfully carrying. It's impressive. Um, it, even more impressive is that he's doing it at point blank range. I, I'm I was a little bit befuddled by uh, Izzo's defense. I, I I was surprised at how Trace was at the rim, just laying him in, missing bunnies. You know, getting another rebound, putting it back in almost uncontested at times, which, which I had never seen that from an Izzo team. But the, the, the fact that the guy's scoring in the 30s 
and half of his team's points, and he's doing it at the rim <laughs> and without making a jump shot is is hard to believe and impressive. So let's real quick talk about Trace because, look, w- w- there is no doubt that there has been some criticism of Trace. And, and look, you've been a critic of Trace, and especially when it came to, look, this is a guy who performs really well against the, the uh, mm-hmm. Bethune-Cookmans and St. Mary's Blind Children's Choir of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there has been some truth to that. I think that narrative has been blown apart. These last three games against, again, Michigan State, Illinois, and Wisconsin, three programs, and granted, None of them are operating at full strength, really. Wisconsin was missing Tyler Wall. Michigan State's missing Malik Hall. But these are teams with really good coaches that have been around for a while. They know how to scheme. They all know Trace really well because they've been there for many games. And in those last three games, Trace is averaging 28 points a game, 12 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 4.3 blocks. In the Big Ten overall, which includes some bad games, 20.5 points, 10.7 rebounds, four assists, 3.9 blocks. Wouldn't you say in his senior year that Trace is, especially over these last three games, is is doing his part to erase that narrative that he doesn't show up in these big, big games? He's on it. He's on it. The best stretch of basketball that he's ever played, at least at Indiana, for us to for us to see him. There's no there's no doubt about that. I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he's historically he's feasted on the, you know, non-conference schedule, sure. right? With the exception of when you play the big boys and then he hasn't looked as, as good, you know, against a Kansas or Xavier. Those were not his best games um, in the preseason or in the non-conference season. He's playing fantastically. He's active. He's, I mean, he's, he's blocks a lot of shots, man. Averaging four blocks a game in the big 10. That's, that's that's fantastic. That's impressive, right? We haven't seen anybody do that. Um, and also, real yeah. quick, Brian, just yeah. just to jump in, Kansas and Arizona were bad games. Xavier, mm-hmm. he scored thirty against Xavier, which sure. has turned out to be a really good team. He scored twenty-one and ten against North Carolina, which I get it; they weren't playing great at the time, right. but they did have a big man. But he's yeah, putting together a resume right now that is pretty sensational in this senior year. I agree. And if I was going to be uh, play any devil's advocate at all on this last stretch, which I, I, I'm not here to do that. I mean, I'm I'm as happy as anybody to see those guys win three in a row and looking at the schedule, thinking maybe they can win another three in a row. Right. And yeah. that's what we all want. So the, the spokes, the spokes out there need to understand that they just they like to be divisive. What they need to understand when they want me to come on here to see if I if I'm uh, not in a good mood and being mean to people, or if they think I'm going to eat crow, that's not happening. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm the biggest fan there is, and, and I, I know you are. Be, I was a bigger fan. I was a huge fan before these folks were born. So I'm not taking any shit. I was calling it like I see it. We had a serious effort problem that now it seems like we don't have. Let's see if we can maintain that. I think with Trace though, I, I'd have to say this. Um, that was the weakest Michigan State interior I've ever seen. I mean, it's always been the six, eight, nine, ten athletes that are incredible offensive rebounders that are really tough defensively. You know, I'm talking Izzo teams over the years, right? The big anchor guys, and I'm drawing blanks on four or five years ago, some of those names. This is not 
he's thin on the front line right now. You know, he's playing a couple of freshmen that looked incredibly soft. I mean, Trace was just just taking them apart. I mean, those guys were not ready. It doesn't matter how much scouting they did. Those two guys cannot play against Trace. And he man, he just completely manhandled them. Uh, I, but I was a little surprised at that. And I don't know who they're down. You guys know the rosters better than me. I don't know who all Michigan State's missing. I'm not I'm not following it that close. But that that was they were a soft interior, and he just he just dominated them. Now, one thing you had, um, let's say, poked fun of Trace about earlier in the season was this getting the ball in the block with one hand, doing the Charles Barkley thing. Mm -hmm. And I've been watching for that since you shared that with us. And it does seem like in the last three games, he's actually been pretty damn effective at doing that and then finding the open guy if the double is coming. Are you seeing uh, him take this next step as a – is a passer and just somebody who can kind of see the court in a way where it's, whether it's Jordan cutting to the basket or whoever's dropping down on him, kicking it out to that guy right at the, the right time and place. Or that's not just us justifying him doing, Oh, he's doing the same thing he did before, but it's working. Like he's actually yeah. getting better at seeing the court and operating the offense. I agree. I, I think he is too. And I think, it's, it's one of two things, but probably a combination of both is that he's got more experience. You know, he's being doubled and he's, and he's seeing it. I think it slows it. If you keep seeing something like that, it slows down for you, if that makes sense. And yeah. I think he looked panicky. And the other thing he was doing, I, I think was being too patient and like mm -hmm. holding it, holding it, which was, was bothering me because it bogs down the offense. And now you got five, if, if you don't move fast, you got five defenders locked in on you. Then it gets way harder to make a play. So it, I think what Trace has done is a combination of two things. Hopefully the, the coaching staff has been working with him on make a quick decision, you know, make, decide, you know, see the cut. If somebody makes a cut, get them the ball. If when you first catch it, make a move. If you can go on the guy, go, you know, we were talking about, he was just kind of sitting there almost unsure, just trying to see, Hey, is it a double team? Is it a triple team? Is nobody coming? Um, I think based on the Illinois game, he's assured himself of no more single coverage for the rest of his season. Um, <laughs> that did not that did not work out for Coach Underwood. So he's going to see doubles, but now I think making a quick decision with the ball has helped him. He certainly, I mean, the assists tell the story. You know, he's yeah. he's getting a lot of assists. He's he's unselfish. It's not like we're talking about a selfish kid here. We've never we've never attacked him for that. Never. Well, and you when know? you. See one thing he seems to be um, setting up or getting the ball a little bit further away from the paint. And these big guys who could maybe body him up down low and bother him just with, with strength and length, now he's just kind of running around him. Or, or from that position, at least there's more space for guys to cut. Are you – I yeah. mean, look – a lot of this, we've been figuring it out since race got hurt. What are you seeing from Jordan and, and Malik, honestly, in the last couple, three games, too, as far as when race is back to full health? Do you think we can keep doing this with race in the lineup? Do you think this is also dependent on having somebody a little faster and bouncier like Jordan in there? Well, Jordan has certainly looked a little better in the last few games. Well, not a little bit better. He was he would looked really lost there for that same yeah. stretch. He he was just foul. I mean, he can't play without foul, and he still has that problem. He he 
you know, those quick fouls when you come back in and, you know, I think we sat him when he got his fourth and he sat for five minutes, he comes back in, he commits a foul in 10 seconds, he's out of the game. Somebody tell him, you know, <laughs> you only get five fouls. I never want to foul out because I, you couldn't play. I mean, I mean right. who in the hell fouls out of games? I, I, that's crazy. Give them a, <laughs> you're valuable. Give away a bucket so you can stay out there. Um, no, he, he looks more confident. And, and Malik still doesn't to me. I, I'm worried about him. He's had a couple, you know, uh, flashes where he's made a good play, but it seems like his confidence is still just a, still a little bit broken. Want to see him come back, and it would be great to see him get a, you know, a 12 and 10 game in the Big Ten. You know, yeah. I, I, he, he need, it seems like he needs that because we're not seeing his best stuff. I mean, he looks unsure. You know, one time in front of the bench, he, you know, right when he caught it, it's like he had a chance to dump it in. And then he thinks maybe I should drive and the defender won't wasn't up in his face and he ends up traveling. You know, he just, it's like, he's frozen. He's not quite sure what to do. He's not, he's not playing very instinctual. You know, it, it seems like it's a little more robotic right now. And I'd love, I, I would love to see him or Jordan play that role and be confident enough to be out there. Cause I, I, I think we're best if trace, I'm sorry, if race is playing off the bench, see if he can come in provide a spark. I'm sure there's going to be games where he's still going to, you know, log the majority of the minutes at that position. But if he's not full strength, you know, and his knee's not, but he wants to come back and play, maybe he plays that role where he comes in. We try to get him a few shots, a few threes. I mean, let's face it, you know, Arizona and a couple of the other games, he was the guy that did make a few threes for us. Give him a yeah. chance to get hot, you know, and maybe it's 20 minutes of basketball, but see if he can score 15 points. So I want to say a couple of things. One, when everybody was making excuses, you know, oh, race is out, X is out. How can we possibly be expected to compete? These last three games against Michigan State, Illinois, and Wisconsin, and the Illinois game was on the road after Illinois had won four in a row, by the way. So they were clicking. Outside of the, you know, half against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament last year, the game against Illinois, and then most of the game against Iowa. This is the best that we have seen Indiana look in years, this stretch, this last three-game stretch, without race and without X. So the people that were making excuses who now realize that, like, oh, well, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't have made those excuses. It's why I never bought the excuses to begin with. I think the team is better off with Jalen running the point and being the guy, and he wasn't at full strength yesterday, clearly. But I just think that those excuses go out the window. But I want to go back to something that I argued with you on a few weeks ago, and I'm going to admit I'm wrong here. So I kept saying, like, it's not about effort. Like, I mean, I, I just re re was so reluctant to say it's just the, the guy's just giving effort. It's got to be coaching. It's got to be coaching. Here's the truth. In the last three games, we're not doing anything remarkably different on offense. In, if anything, we're giving it to Trace more in the post and telling him, you make the call, right? He's yeah. playing point center right now. Yeah. Get the ball to him in the post. And then almost all of our offense comes off of him. Either he scores 30 or he's dumping it out or finding a cut. And that's the offense. The offense hasn't changed in the last three games. The personnel hasn't changed. And you're right. It looks different from the beginning of that Wisconsin game on defense, especially. It looks different. Like there was a play yesterday that I think is a microcosm of these three games. Miller cop dove on the ball on the floor, on the defensive end. It got bobbled around. 
It went, it was a free ball. Malik Renu dove on the ground, grabbed it, and, and kicked it out to Miller, who then got fouled. Two guys for Indiana diving on the court to get a loose ball, and we ended up with the ball, and then they committed a foul. It does look different. And, and I realized watching this, like, I don't see anything vastly different. Ward, when we were watching the game yesterday, you're like, oh, here comes the weave again. Here comes the weave <laughs> yeah. again that does nothing. Well, you know, it, oh, just get it to Trace. Just it get looks, it to Trace. It, it looks different because it works. Like, that's it, the but it's only working, difference. It's working in large part. I do think our offense is feeding off the defense, especially in that Wisconsin game. We were terrible offensively in the first half of that game. It was like, wasn't the score like 21-20 at halftime or something like that? It was awful. And then we ran away with it in the second half because our defense stayed aggressive. And then mm-hmm. we started creating stuff. So I do give you credit here, Brian, and admit I was wrong unless unless you see something else. But I don't see the offense changing at all. I just see a more intense backs-against-the-wall sense of urgency team out there. No, I, I totally agree with that. And listen, I – I want to see more pin downs and more movement. I mean, right. watch Terry Morin's team play a little bit. Like I, I love that, that, that brand and that style where more people are coming free and getting open um, and, and making shots. I, I like a occasional back cut for an easy layup. Cause we know we're going to run it once or twice a game. We don't get any, if there was a knock, we're, we're not getting a lot of easy baskets, you know, trace. It's kind of like trace against the world. And, and you're right. Putting a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure on them. And say, hey, we're we're gonna trust you to make decisions. It's not my favorite thing to watch. That right. same, you know, we're gonna come down and throw it to him. But I do think he's beaten, you know, a big guy. You said something that I think was was smart. He's mm. not. He doesn't One. really Ow. fight for. The, he doesn't fight for the block. Really, he just kind of, kind of just posts wherever he is. And maybe, maybe there's something to that. So he's he's not fighting to get as close as he can. And he's you know the game yesterday. Those guys are. Bigger, taller than him, and way less athletic than him. And I think he did pull him away from the basket a little bit and try to go around him. I mean, just try to beat guys off the dribble. Because let's face it, he he at his size, he's a really good athlete. It's it's when he goes up against the really athletic guys that have length. Rutgers has that guy. You know, Arizona certainly had a couple of those guys. That's just where he starts looking like he's six five instead of six nine. But the last few games, it hasn't looked like that. He's in a comfort zone right now. I mean, he's, he's comfortable getting the ball. He's comfortable making those decisions every time down the court, and he's making the right decision most of the time. One thing to add there real quick, Ward, and then I'll turn it over to you. And we talked about this. Ward and I watched the game yesterday together. It does feel like this is such a stupid thing to say, but it's something you brought up, Brian, about feeding the post and how you used to run those drills, you know, with two guys out and one guy in the middle and just like how do you get the ball to the post? It yeah. does feel like in these last three games, we have gotten a lot better at feeding the post. We're giving it to him where he's calling for it. We're not passing it into the defense. We're faking mm-hmm. high and going low. I, I I, don't remember many times where it was like, oh, our guard is like pump faking, pump faking, and then swinging it across yeah. because he couldn't get it in. It just feels like we've made a more concerted effort to be more disciplined and fundamental in getting him the ball. And that's the offense right now. Right. Ellie, you said something earlier about, you know, defense feeding the offense. When you when you play with effort like they've played with, it was there was an effort problem. There was just no question to me there was an effort problem in those games. And I don't, you know, what is the wake-up call? Is everybody, uh, is it their parents getting on their case? Is, 
Is it the coaching staff? Is it social media? Is it the feeling of, oh my gosh, we're tanking? And sometimes you're back, you, you play your best when your back was up against the wall. You know, you get in a little rut. It was looking pretty ugly. The best way to, to play out of that is with, with crazy effort and crazy intensity. And, and they it seems like they found some of that. But it, then it starts feeding the other end of the court. All of a sudden, yeah. your defense is better because you, you're you're clicking on offense. And sometimes it's the reverse of that. But whatever it is, they've kind of got it going on right now. And, and when I look at the schedule, I don't know why we can't run, you know, run off three or four more in a row. Yeah, I do think psychology, it, it's – not seeing the ball go through the hoop is difficult for anybody. And, you know, with Trey or Scoop, as you mentioned earlier, seeing that ball go through the hoop early, maybe off of a free throw or just just something easy around the hoop can open up a whole game for them. But on defense, like you don't you don't have to be as um, confident to feel like you can stay in front of your man as you need to be to let one fly from beyond the arc. Uh, but when you talk about, Trey and Scoop in particular, because I think plenty of people have gone off uh, after Coach Woodson and the staff after those three horrible games. And in college basketball, I think ultimately the responsibility, you get a player could have a bad game or make a stupid play and you could say, well, that's on them. But when you see the kind of three game stretch we had that was so bad, it, you, I think you properly lay it at the feet of the coach and his staff. But now after these three games, I think you have to start saying, well, okay, now, now the man, these guys need to get credit. And one thing we heard before the season started was that coach was having Trey and Scoop play a lot of point for the, the second unit going up against X and Jalen. And now we're seeing that really start to bear fruit. And I just wonder if, what are, what are you seeing from those guys besides like shooting over 40% from three point or uh, from three point land? What are you seeing from those two guys? We talked about Trey a little bit, maybe in particular in scoop in terms of the development of his game that you got to give the kid a lot of credit to for putting in the work. But if you can point to coach Woodson and staff and be like, yeah, look, this is how they're really developing this guy. What have you seen from that? I don't know. That's a hard question. That was a long question, too. <laughs> I was just figuring it out as we went along. Gonna, I didn't know if there was going to be one. I started worrying, going, did he? Then I started thinking, did he already ask the question? And I it, didn't it, hear it. Look, anything in there, anything <laughs> in there that sparked a response, just go with that. <laughs> okay. So, you know, the, the play you described where the ball was loose, right? And, and bounced around, and we got it and got fouled. I mean, you guys have been in that building enough. I've been in the building enough. Those are those are huge plays. Our fans, our fan base loves that play. That's old school Indiana basketball. Guys getting on the ground, and, and there's there's something that comes out of the crowd, more energy, and you you can feel it. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's like an applause, and then it gets a little bit bigger, gets a little bit bigger. Then there's a timeout, and then they kind of the roof comes off. I just want to see effort, man. That's what the fans want to see, and guys flying around. And it, it just continues to feed the team. You know, that enthusiasm, guys are, now the guys are playing hard. A couple shots go in. The game is a lot easier when the ball goes through the basket. You said it. When you, when you don't see it go through, like a lot of these guys are in a funk, you just, the, the rim starts looking smaller. You, you, wide open threes get missed, and you kind of hear a groan from the fans. And you're like, oh, my God, our fans are turning on us. That's tough. If you don't have a really experienced team or you've got a, a few young guys out there, 
that can snowball too. So I, I think it always starts with effort. Yes, you have to point to the staff because those three games were so bad. You have to say, hey, they're not getting them to play hard enough. I mean, we're, we're not competing enough. And we weren't. And so, you know, it's back now. And, and the effort, it, it just starts with the effort. I'm going to say it and say it and say it, but that's it's the truth. Okay, thinking about my own rambling diatribe, I guess I really want to just ask about Scoop. I feel like yesterday we saw somebody who could be a star for this program. Uh, you know, it was it was a quasi-star performance yesterday, except when Trace is out there, he's going to be the star. And well, Miller, I think you got to give him a lot of credit for especially what he's been doing on the defensive end in this stretch. Is it just the position he is on the court that Scoop's able to get a lot more looks from three-point land, or or is it something else about his game that's opening up? Fair question. I don't, I don't know that I have an answer. I'll be – I, I missed the Illinois game. I read about it, and so I, I didn't see that game. Were you, were um, you too busy just, watching Michigan football? What happened? I thought that season was over. I was driving around. I'm a I'm an Uber driver, volleyball Uber every every night. It seems like I was Uber. driving to Uber. Muncie and back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't think Miller looks super aggressive to shoot to just. Right out of the gate, I, I don't think he's he's catching ready to let it fly. He you just know, dunks again, now. He's just a dunker. I, yeah, I saw. I don't know. I don't know what you know. I don't know what they're being told. I mean, it could be. Hey, listen, we're dumping the ball into Trace. Okay, so don't jack a, a three, contested three, until we get the ball to Trace. Well, if those are your marching orders, you know, then he's not supposed to be shooting. I, we don't know what what Woodson's telling him and what he's not telling. Him. I think with Bates. He, he he believes in himself. He's trying to get shots off, and so yeah. he's feeder ready. And when the ball goes out to him, I love the one that he you know got knocked back at him, and then he pulled from deep. I love yeah. that because that that is a I, we have not seen enough of that in the last however many years. You know what that is? Is a confident shooter. That is a dude that wants to shoot because he thinks it's going in. We haven't seen enough of that, and I love that look. I mean, I, for sure, you got to ride that that hot hand because that guy is not afraid and he wants to, you know, I don't know if he's done the uh, cusp of being a superstar, but he, you know what, if he can make three or four threes a game and occasionally make five or six, this team needs that bad. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, one of the things I love the most about that moment was it was right in front of Woody. <laughs> like Woody is standing there, sees him try to feed the post. The ball does get knocked back to him, and he's like, fuck it. I'm just launching it right in front of him and drills it. I loved it. Uh, Ward and I talked a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, we've seen moments like this this year from Tamar where he goes off in a game. Let's not forget that the previous two games, Tamar went scoreless playing over 20 minutes going over three yep. and over four. The next, the difference yesterday was Tamar made five threes. I mean, the ball went in, and as it went in, it gave him more and more confidence to keep shooting. I didn't see him driving to the hole, creating it on his own. He got good looks and made them. The next step for him in, in my really inexperienced and unprofessional opinion is he's got to become a consistent third score for this team like we we kind of were getting into a groove where we thought we knew you're getting it from trace jalen's got the ball in his hands enough and he's driving enough that you know you're going to get it from him tough game yesterday but scoop is that guy who's got enough talent 
and enough confidence, he's got to be there every game. We can't have 0 0, 17, 5, 6, 18. Like he's had really good games this year and he's had games where he's disappeared. The next step for him is consistency. But I do want to ask you this, Brian. Very simple question. And they can't think of a better person to ask. I asked Ward yesterday. He had no response. Um, I'm not good at responding. Why is it that left-handed three-point shooters and jump shooters just look better than us righties? I think it's golf, too. Don't you? Yes. I think it's like a, yes. pretty, a pretty left-handed golf swing just makes you go, ooh. Why? Something about it. What is it? Do you have any explanation for why a left-handed shot or golf swing simply looks better? I just think because it's different. It's, you're so used to seeing the right-handed player. I, I agree, but I also am biased. Right. Um, but I, I do agree. Like I do. I do. I remember Chris Mullen just going, "Gosh, that's pretty." This jump shot, just simple and pretty, yes. tight, compact. Uh, I and I like Bates's. I like his. I like his shot. Yeah, like, and he's and he was ready to step in and shoot. Listen, it's that's when you do become a, a star player is when you can deliver it consistently, you know. And and he may never be a star player, but you you know what you try not to have is is zeros, you know. And right. Those right. seventeen to twenty two minutes where you're not giving us any any kind of scoring, you know. What I haven't seen from him is like a, a get to the basket kind of game because you're going to struggle from three, you know, even the best shooters are going to have nights where it's like there's a lid on it. And, you know, I remember going through little stretches going, I got to get a layup. I got to, you know, I got to get something inside because I'm not, I'm not seeing the ball go through the net like I want to. And, you know, I got to get to the line. I got to get fouled. Yes. And so I might be trying to come off screens and, and play up, you know, the, the Academy award thing. just, because I need to go to the line. I, I yeah. need to get a couple free throws to go in. And you got to find a way to get there. And I don't think Tamar has – he's 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 not a real multidimensional offensive player yet. I think he could be that guy. Right now he's a stick and a jumper. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, he's a sophomore. I mean, not everyone's a star player. I, I think he has a chance to. But what I love is that he's he's stroking it with confidence. You can tell he's, he's not worried. He wasn't thinking – he was in front of the, the bench. If when you're aggressive and you believe in your shot, you don't care where you're at on the court. He's not thinking, Oh, Woody's behind me. I hope this one goes in. He's, he's stroking the ball. And, but that, that it was obvious that he was confident. I mean, I could tell by the way he was stepping into his shot that he was going to, he was going to make a few. I think more important than anyone play player game season is we want to be confident in the the coaching staff i think we've got a lot of really talented players looking at this program uh in the next two or three classes but to feel that confidence with the coaching staff i think we were all raised on coach night and when you talk about in-game adjustments and and even substitution patterns like woody was criticized a decent amount for that last year really trying to do the second unit thing uh, what are you seeing coming in from, say, timeouts or or halftime or or even just who he has in there for how long that maybe has not only helped us these last three games, but kind of gives you some hope for the next few seasons that we we actually have an excellent college coach? Well, I'm I'm going to bite my tongue. Uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that one. I'm not there. 
Uh, I haven't seen anything. I hated the rotations last year. I felt like it was the NBA, you know, second unit, you know, thing. And maybe they coming in waves. Like, I, I was not a fan of that. Um, I'm more of a fan of ride the, you know, guys are starting for a reason, right? They're your best players. If they can, if they're not playing well, you got to sit them down. I, I think the thing that I've seen that I, I haven't liked is when we were getting poor effort from guys, sit them down. You know, and that was, I know I went off about that last week or two weeks yeah. ago that, you know, I, it, that bothered me the most. I, I, I'm not there yet with him to say, oh, I think he cracked the code and has figured it out. I, I'm not there. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I'm not asking anybody after three games to be like, yep, he's brilliant at this. But to your point of like not liking those substitution patterns last year. Like I, I think he is adjusting. He's figuring out like, Oh, I don't have the talent top to bottom to do that. And even in the case of Jalen yesterday who got knocked around and he seems pretty banged up. I mean, he, he rode the bench for most of the second half because of how well Trey and scoop were going. And I just feel like it's so easy to point the blame at coach Woodson when things were going awry that, at least I'm going to give him credit for figuring out what to do with two of his starters down. And maybe it took him two or three more games than we would have liked, but I've been really impressed or even taking the timeout right at the top of the, was it the Wisconsin game or the Illinois Illinois game that they were just like running us at the beginning. And he was like, Nope, Nope, we're going to stop this right now. And he did. And, and I, well, but more importantly than taking the timeout, which it was smart. It was four, nothing Illinois. He, and Brian, you've brought this up, and I wish you would have seen this game, and we're going to give you shit continuously for not seeing that game. But we did come – it was 4 nothing, and it felt tenuous, right? It felt like one of those, oh, no, are they just going to run us out of the building right now? And he called a timeout, and he called a play where we did run this, like, double screen for Trey to come across the double screen and get right to the bucket, and it opened up a wide-open layup. And Trey got around the screen. The ball came to him on time. And that was an after timeout call, which I know is something you really focus on, Brian, when you're looking at coaches and how good they are. And and frankly, it's not something we've seen great execution on this season. That was an example of one that did, and it turned the tide of the game. Because from that point, we we smacked him in the mouth and didn't look back, truthfully. Mm-hmm. So um can we do this, Brian? Can we go through the rest of the Big Ten schedule and just get your gut? on are we going to win or lose based on what you're seeing right now? Yeah, let's play. Right. Let's play okay, I, I just want to set us up for this. We are at four and four, one game back from being tied for second place in the Big Ten. Okay. Rutgers, Michigan are both two and a half back from Purdue, and we're three and a half back with 74 other teams. Okay, all right. This Thursday or this Wednesday at Minnesota, Brian Evans prediction. Well, if we lose to them, we you got to bring me back on next week. Go crazy. <laughs> so prediction is win. Yeah, Ohio State at home. Win. Indiana at Maryland. Yes. Um. I think that's a toss-up. That's a tough one. I, I watched them yesterday um, and impressed with Willard. They play hard, you know. So going on the road, 
I have seen him a couple of times that I, that I wasn't super impressed, but they competed. They can, they remind me a little bit of Rutgers. They're just, it's not real pretty. It's not real flashy, but the coaches got them playing pretty hard. Is that what you guys see? Yeah, I mean, Willard has them playing hard. They they started off hot, then they ran into uh, some speed bumps. That game against Purdue, though, I mean, it was a one-possession game at Purdue. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, what do you think? So. You going to give us a loss there? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go um, loss. Okay. Then Purdue at home. Win. Yeah. What if Eric and I go back for it? Yeah, then... Changes. I don't think you guys should. Yeah. <laughs> fair. Yeah. Fair. All right. Rutgers, that last one. Yeah. Rutgers at home. I like us in that game. Yeah. I think we're going to have revenge on our mind. Michigan yeah. away on the road in Michigan. I like us there. I'm not impressed with them at all. I, it's weird. I feel like they've been on a huge losing streak, and somehow they're still in front of us in the Big Ten. They've been struggling. Northwestern on the road. I mean, we have to win that game. Okay. Like but do you think it. we will? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Because okay. I, I just have to believe when you play like you did against them the first time at home, you have to go win the game. Yep. Illinois at home. Win. Michigan at- State on the road. Lose. At Purdue. I'm not going to say it, but I don't feel good about it. Okay, fair. <laughs> I'm not going to make you say it. Okay, next word. Iowa coming to Bloomington. Win. Yeah, by like 30. And then the last game of the regular season, Michigan at home. Win. All right, so if Brian Evans' prediction is correct, Indiana will go 13-5 and five in the Big Ten overall. That's what you're predicting. 13 and 5, which means No, that doesn't make sense. That's not right. No. It that's has to not be right. at least 6 slots. <laughs> no, no, 13 and 7. 13 and 7 in the Big 10. 13, <laughs> my math is terrible. 13 and 7 in the Big 10. If Indiana goes 13 and 7 in the Big 10, will you consider that a successful Big 10 season? Uh loaded question. I, I think because of where we sat at 1 and 4, I think you have to say yes. Right, but if you look at where we were supposed to be to start the season, you'd have to say probably not a big success when you're picked but, to win the league. But what if you throw in we were down two starters for oh, for the majority of Big Ten? Oh, what? Don't go there with me. The, no, I don't but, like it. I, no, I get it. I get it. But if you're if you're if there's oh well, this is what we were predicted to do. And then we lose two starters, and then the wheels fall off, but we right the ship. And, I mean, we'd be lucky to have X back at all by the end of the Big Ten season. Let me throw this one at you because this now this is a little more divisive. Spokes might not like it. But <laughs> I, I, JMV got me the other day. <laughs> I was on there, and, and there was a clip where I was talking about exactly this, the whole, you know, we're 10 deep, we're 10 deep when we're playing the Sisters of the Poor. We're 10 deep, can't figure out who to put in, we're so good. <laughs> and then you lose a couple guys, well, you're still eight deep, and that's a lot deeper than most teams. So I, I can't get on board with that, and I'm also not the guy that wanted race as a starter. I'm also the yeah. guy that thinks that X would actually, when he comes back, I don't think he should be starting either. I think we got to go 
these guys are in the second semester of their 17th years. We just need, we got to build some for the future and go get these younger guys. They're proven they can play. I think both of those guys coming off injury are, you know, guys that come off the bench and try to bring a spark and help us win a game. I, I'm, that's how I've always felt. I've, I hated the starting lineup last year. So I realized that too. I'm, I'm somebody who was really bothered by sticking with that lineup, you know, through thick and mostly thin. And at this point in time, the way we're playing right now, yeah, it's kind of sucks for those two guys, but I don't think you put them back in the starting lineup. I, I totally agree. If yeah. this continues to click along and we win the games that you just said we're going to win, how the hell do you put them in the starting lineup? I mean, this is the best. And if you do put them in the starting lineup, it is the quickest way to disrupt whatever flow we have right now, right? I mean, like, this is working right now. Ride it until it doesn't work. Now, if we hit the bumps in the road again and lose a few of these games that we should win and those guys are ready, then fine. I can understand making a a, a change. But if it's clicking along like it is and we're getting the effort that we're getting defensively, man, I'm fine having X if he's ready. I, I personally don't even see how X is going to be anywhere close to 100%. I mean, he had a serious foot break. He's a guy who whose entire game is based on his explosiveness and quickness and speed. To to be off of that foot for eight weeks and expect him to come back at a high level and make good decisions and have the timing down, that is a lot to ask of well, a guy. Not so, only that, I, I think the ship sailed. I, and unless we go on like a, another horrific run of, of bad play, I, I don't I don't even think with Woodson, who I'm not necessarily thinking i'm thinking like he is i don't see how he could put him back in there i because the other thing we're doing is we're playing different we're playing like you said we're playing through our center our point center and we're not going to give the ball to him out at the top with his shaky ball handles and just let him dominate the ball that's not how we're playing and by the way you made another comment earlier about this is the best basketball we've played in years yeah i don't i don't disagree so that lineup that he loved last year that i think he still wanted to love this year has not been a good lineup. I mean, it's fair to say it. It's yeah. not been a good lineup. Those five guys together, I, I I don't really like the lineup. You got two big guys that kind of play similar similar positions. You know, they're they're best in transition. Um, tr- obviously, races can shoot it from outside a little bit, but they're similar. And then I, I don't like Cop in the start. I like Cop as a bring him in and see if he could get hot. That's just always been me. I I don't I don't see enough. Um, lockdown defense again. I, I guess I didn't watch it that close. You said he played good defensively. I I would rather see Bates try to defend, or I'd rather see Galloway right. defend. And just it's just more energy. He he is not real energetic looking legs or anything. And so we got something going right now that's working. I don't see how you could screw with it unless things got really bad. Yeah, I I agree with both of you. Uh, I'm on board. I do worry that Coach Woodson might have a soft spot in, in, in his heart for seniors coming off injuries in their last year. Seniors and, and senior citizens, which they both qualify yeah, as. They're all, they're all there in the old people's home together. But I, I just I, I hope you guys are right and that he sees that too and is just like, man, it, it, it ain't broke no more. Don't let me try to fix it. 
and and but I would say you know thirteen and seven, hell, even twelve and eight at this point. It's all like I've totally forgotten what we thought about this team before the season started. I'm starting to forget what I thought about this team after Penn State. And when I'm looking at these three games right now, 12 and 8, we get ourselves, you know, a 5-6 seed in the tournament, make it to the Sweet 16. My recalibrated expectations is, oh, okay, maybe, maybe we all had hoped it was going to be a potential Final Four team. But if Woody in year two has got us easily into the tournament and into the Sweet 16, it's hard to say that isn't progress. Well, how is it not progress when we haven't been to the Sweet 16 it, it for is. like, it like what, right. seven I think years? It's a it's a totally separate episode. And also one I don't even want to go into yet because I just want to enjoy this ride right now. Um, you're right. It would be objectively progress. Well, uh, that well, would be progress. Part of what I think is like watching, just watching this games, these games has been a blast. It has. It's been so fun. But I think we're also quasi conditioned to be like, well, what does this mean about where we can go? Like it's it's inextricable for me to be in like, whoa, look at this, this level of play and be like, well, hell, we could finally make some noise in March, which we haven't even been a threat to do since my children could speak. Yes, but that's why, like, I'm not I'm not recalibrating my expectations on what this team should be with the talent this team has with a guy like Trace who's putting up All-American numbers right now and playing like an All-American, with Jalen, who's a stud point guard, with Tamar hitting shots, with Trey Galloway playing well. Like, this team is good enough to beat any team in the Big Ten. And and look, 9-3 and three the rest of the way by the Brian Evans scale, that's great, but, like, that's that's what we should be doing. Like, there's no – that is what we absolutely should be doing, if not better. Like, this should be a team that is – that is winning big games on the road and competing in every big game and not being blown out by anybody. Those days better be behind us. We're, we're not. We're not disagreeing on anything, right? I feel like you're. Like, did I say no, something? I, I'm disagreeing overall. That like, I would be elated if we went 13 and seven and went to the Sweet 16. Like, I'm not. You I'm would not be sure pretty would, happy. But I'm not sure I'd be elated because I think that the way this sets up with Trace as a senior and Jalen and looking at what's coming down the pike in 23, this may be the most talented team that Woody has in his five, six-year run. I mean, it might be. So I'm not willing to lower the bar from where we were at the beginning of the year, which was this is a team that can, can compete for the Final Four and make a real run. Great. Then let's let's still do that. That's still out there to do. And I don't want to accept less than that. Right. And I'm with you, but I was just saying progress. Progress is sweet it's 16. progress over last year, for sure. Final four is like, oh, shit, all my dreams are coming true. Um, I want to ask Brian something that annoys me about almost all college basketball, except for the really good teams. Almost always in college basketball, when you're watching a really good game, um, or, or when you're supposedly watching a good game, at the end of a game, when a team has the lead or a team needs to execute, it's like drive the lane, get fouled, go to the free throw line, give it back to the other team. It's just bad basketball for the most part at the end of games. The really good teams execute at the end of games and run offense that frees up open shots. At the end of yesterday's game, when we had to ice it, Jalen Huchifino had come back in the game after sitting for a while, clearly not 100%. 
But the dude makes three great passes to Trace. One was a, just a really beautiful entry pass that was a little bit of a lob over a guy. But the next two were like pick and rolls and alley-oops to Trace that he put perfectly. That made me as happy as anything in the game to just know we have a point guard who at the end of the game isn't just going to put his head down the way X can at sometimes and just bull his way and hope that the ref bails you out. No, we were running a play and Jalen executed and we scored buckets. That made me really happy. Brian, I don't know if you saw anything there at the end of the game that, that, that you care to talk about. This is Michigan State last few minutes of the game. Yes, yes. They were, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, I, I just think that kid has good composure. Yeah, I mean, we've said that since the beginning. He's, he's got a good level head on his shoulders when he plays, and even when he hadn't made shots or hadn't been at his best, I don't see him getting sped up and getting taken out of, of what he wants to do. Starting to see that a little bit with the, the young Purdue guys, where. You know they're hitting a little stretch in the Big Ten. They're they're winning a little bit ugly right now, but they're and they're they're still winning, right? But yeah. they they haven't had great games. When you're young like that, the Big Ten is a tough conference. You're typically playing some veteran guys, and they can speed you up at times. I I do think he's done a he's just had he just has a different level, Moxie. I I, I see a pro player. You know I keep saying it. Yeah, he didn't get sped up. I do I do think that Michigan state was dead in the water. You know, the last six minutes, I was surprised that they, you know, Izzo didn't kind of get them playing frantic and start fouling, see if we can make foul shots and extend the game, see if he could get them back in the game. I've never seen a Michigan state. It looked like we were just, you know, dribbling out the clock almost from about five minutes on, you know, it's Did funny. You guys you see that? that? Yeah, Brian, yeah. it's funny. You say that I won't give away the name, although I will say this was not Michael Lewis, but a Division One basketball coach, head basketball coach, texted me yesterday right at the time that you're talking about in the game and said, wow, out-hustling Michigan State is rare. Yeah. And, and that is true. That is what we did yesterday. Again, going back to the effort point, it is very rare to out-hustle and out-tough a Michigan State Tom Izzo-led team. And we did yesterday. They smacked us in the mouth early. And then Ward, by the way, our timeline was so messed up because of how we watched that game. That I was... went back and rewatched it. Yeah. We didn't take the lead in that game and really take control till about three minutes left in the first half. Yeah. You know, I mean, we came back. We yeah. came back, but then we took the lead and went up going into half. But like they smacked us in the mouth and then we destroyed them for the rest of the game and then demoralized them in the second half when they were trying to make their run. And that does not happen often to a Michigan state team. Oh, I think they're, I think they're talking effort in their camp today. I really do. I, I've never seen him so subdued on the sideline. You usually see him, he's going to try to inject some, some fire into his team. And usually it's by either going off on a player or getting real, you know, uh, animated with the referees or just being super intense in a timeout. That's the most chillax I've ever seen Tom Izzo and, <laughs> and take a, a double digit loss like that as quietly as he did yesterday. All right. Because you brought them up and I assume you've watched some of them. I can't help it. We could, we could save it for another episode, but I want a little taste. How are we going to beat Purdue? What, what do we need to do? Well, the first thing is the place is going to be nuts. I mean, nuts. Such a huge advantage. 
you can't come out. <laughs> There's no way they come out lethargic. Although we lost to them when Coach Knight came back. So I, we lost to Northwestern at home. We're capable of, of not showing up. Scares the shit out of me. Yeah. But I, I, just, I just think when you're playing that team, I've watched Purdue enough times now, they're solid. But they're, they're young in the backcourt. And if we can play with the kind of energy we have, I mean, Matt's going to get them to play smart and with good energy. I mean, they're going to play smart with good energy. They don't, they're winning ugly right now. I mean, yes. again, back to the, you know, how if we went out and all that kind of stuff, Purdue wasn't even supposed to be in the upper echelon of the Big Ten, and they're 17 and one and number one in the country. I, I'm still scratching my head. I cannot believe that. I think they're going to be ready to take one on the chin when they come to Bloomington. I do. How do we beat them? Play tough. Play hard. I mean, it's it's so silly. Trace is going to get what he gets. I, it makes me nervous because the big guy is is so at the rim and and bogging down the rim, and Trace has to live at the rim. And there's, but there's a seven four guy there blocking it. It makes me a little bit nervous. I, I actually think we're going to have a game against Purdue where. Tamar gets 20 something where, you know, somebody else, I think Jalen's got to have a good game. I think it's the Purdue games, the game that trace can go 12 and 10 and we win the game. Mm. Hmm. All right. You I, know, where I he, where like he doesn't statistically have to carry us like he's been carrying us. He's, he's due to, to not have, you know, let's give him a half of a night off where as long as he plays solid and solid defense and stays out of foul trouble, we go help him win a game. I like it. Okay. All right. I got to ask you a question. Your last team at Indiana, when you were playing, you had a teammate, you had a bunch of teammates. We've talked about a lot of them. Um, by the way, former teammate Sharon Wilkerson, I believe doing a very good job as the head coach of Jeffersonville right now in Indiana. You've been following yes. that at all? Um, you know what? Um, no, I didn't follow that. I knew he was the head coach and I don't understand. I don't have Indy star and I don't understand how to check scores. It got too hard for me. There's a something called Max Preps that like wants me to buy a subscription to see who who the hell won a high school game. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, but do you have any stories about the legendary Harris Muyezinovich? Is there any story that you can give us about Harris? I always thought. I mean, he was Phantom of the Opera with the mask that totally. he wore yeah. in his later years. What what can you give us about Harris? A, a, a largely forgotten player in the Indiana history books. Um, well, he was only there two years. He was yeah. there my senior year and then the following year, which I, so I don't know what he, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you what kind of senior year he had. I think he was kind of a off the bench, you know, yeah. energy, yeah. big guy. I mean, he was a banger. He actually went over to Europe and lost about 40 pounds. And in a different brand of basketball, I mean, you wouldn't even have recognized him. Just like wow. just chiseled. He's strong as an ox. And he, he carved out a really nice living for himself over in Europe. Played in a lot of different countries. And, um, you, know, I, 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 you know what? I love Harris as a guy. I love him. He's a great dude. You'd love his company. I don't, you know, one of the guys, I don't know that Bob Knight and, and the style of basketball and how we were playing was the greatest thing for him at that time. I, I don't think Harris would say he wished he would have gone somewhere else. I don't mean that. I just don't think at that time, if we could have had the guy that went overseas, he was a monster. He'd have been all Big Ten. He just, wow. you know, he came in. You you got two years instead of four. 
learning this offense, learning how to fit in with coach, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do. Um, I mean, you could argue Dean Garrett and Keith Smart were better their first year than they were their second year. They were. Um, yeah. It's. T- I mean, it's, it's, I think it's tough coming into a coach night team like he did, uh, but, but a heck of a team guy. I mean, really good dude. And he was, he was, you know, not a selfish bone in his body. Yeah. He honestly, he, I saw him play over in Europe. He was a, he was a, he was unbelievable. Wow. Offensively, he was better. He just, at that time, he was just blue collar. It was like, see if you can block out, get a few rebounds and, you know, hold your own inside and, and don't screw anything up was kind of the role that he had his first year. And he, he was dealing with that injury that I, people, people were never going to understand how bad it was. And the guy's still wearing braces on his teeth to this day. Wow. Um, that, that broken nose, he had a, the bridge of his mouth was broken. Damn. He lost some teeth. He got, he got into a fight with uh, Sharon and um, got banged up pretty bad. Oof. All right. Well, to lighten the mood a little bit from that, Brian, since you've deprived us of your, of your face, I just wanted to go ahead and get your approval of the picture I'm going to put up for the video portion. I'm going to attempt right. to share my screen here. Let's see if this works. Uh, my desktop. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh Oh, I have to open my system preferences. I'm going to have to edit this out. What? Damn. All right. You'll just have to be surprised. Never (laughs) mind. Don't worry. It's a great picture. Um, I do a picture of, it's a picture of you. Interesting. Uh, Brian, speaking of fights, since you just brought up the Sharon Harris fight, we've asked this of several former players and we've not asked this of you let's say it's late one night it's like 2 a.m you're on walnut it's a night out it's dark it's purdue weekend and just a handful of purdue assholes are walking down the other way in an alley off a walnut they're coming at you you can pick one teammate from your time at indiana one to be the guy that's going to throw down with you, who do you take? Oof, I don't even think it's close. I got to take Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's appropriate. That's appropriate. Yeah, he would. I think he could fight everyone for me on my behalf. I could just finish my burrito. And be fine. <laughs> Your uh, laughing planet burrito. No, La Bamba's. Oh, La Bamba's. La Bamba's, yeah, sure. of course. Bamba's, okay, yeah. Evans, you're, you're opening, you're headlining, I should say, at the Comedy Store here in L.A. We've all been looking forward to this. You're a funny guy. We know you're going to kill it on your set. Which one of your former IU teammates do you have open for you to get the crowd warmed up? Who's, who's that oh. funny? That's a great question. Um, sorry, I apologize for not having a quick answer. Let me think while well, you no. guys – Come Thank up you. with your next question. All right. Um, my next question would be, you're in an international debate competition. You against two really intelligent gentlemen, ladies from a foreign country to debate international relations. Very well-studied people. You need an intellectual giant by your side. Who is your teammate that you pick as your partner in that debate? Okay, gosh, these are you guys. You prep for this. You guys prep for your show. <laughs> oh, That's if you had cool. only, if you only knew. <laughs> so I think the first, I think the uh, 
the other question I probably that's going to open for me would probably be Jamal Meeks. Yes. Get him out there. Yes. Get him talking. He was my hype man anyway. Call me <laughs> B Lobes. He'd be great. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be him. Great. Pick. Second question, I probably just try to go with the intellect. I'm in trouble because I I couldn't argue those. I couldn't argue international and whatever you said. Right. Sure. Geopolitics. Um, I could see my. I would try to hide behind maybe Chris Reynolds. Ooh, good call. Mm, nice. Good call. Do you still talk this to Chris? No, no, I don't talk. I don't talk to Chris. Um, he, uh, when he got the job at Bradley, I reached out to him and chatted with him and congratulated him. Um, when Eric Anderson passed, I talked to him. Mm-hmm. He did a little video thing that I asked him to do. Uh, I'm trying to think of one most recently. I think he was named to the the committee, the NCAA committee board. And, yep. And I reached out to him and I said, don't put IU in Boise. If we're good enough to make the tournament, don't put us <laughs> up in Boise. He thought that was funny because it seemed like that kept happening to us. Yep. Or Albuquerque or just somewhere that nobody wants to travel to. Yeah. Um, or yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't talk to him all the time. I mean, this guy's got a big job and he's, and he's super busy and, but we have each other's number. You know, I, I'll shoot him a text every so often. All right. Evans, you're a Colts fan, right? Nah. No? Not really. Okay. Well, then you, you're you probably happy then that you're keeping your football coach at Michigan. That's fine. Oh, I don't think. Yeah, I, I'm, I grew up a big Bears fan, and uh, that's, why I wore, that's why I wore 34 is because my man Walter. Oh, look nice. at that. Um, Sweetness, yep. and um, you know what? I, then I was gone. With you know, I was out of town and down in Orlando. The Bears got really bad in the nineties, and you know, then I'm back home, not retired, but back home living in Indy when Peyton was drafted. And then, you know, I, I followed him more. I, I got a bit since I didn't grow up a fan. I, I was certainly more of a fair weather fan when when they got really good for those years, and we, you know, watched them a lot. And, um, but but I'm not a huge fan like the. Radio shows around here. I mean, it's twenty four seven Colts football, and who's the coach going to be? And it's been talking about the GM. I, I get so tired of it. I just I don't care enough about the NFL. Is the truth? Fair enough. Are you having fun watching the Pacers? Yes, I do. I am enjoying the Pacers. I I'm impressed with what they've done, and in a short period of time, uh, they've changed the culture. And I I hope they keep. Miles, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but he's a huge part of, especially in this last five or six games that they've lost. He's not playing. I mean, I think it speaks volumes about how important he is to this team. I Absolutely. hope they keep him. I, I like the core that they have. I hope they keep Buddy Heald. I, I don't know what these people cost, uh, you know, anymore in this day and age, but I, I like what they have. And add another draft pick, a, a high pick coming. Man, I, I like the team. They're fun to watch. It reminds me of. Reminds me of even one of those first couple of Tom Crean teams where we weren't super competitive yet. We're not trying to, you know, I, I don't look at this team like they're going to win two playoff series, but I do no. think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, um, which nobody it just reminds me. Of, yeah, it just reminds me of a team that's overachieving. There's something about that that's attractive. You know, when you're the underdog, we're constantly – and I think about our team right now too – Maybe those expectations were too much on these guys. I've thought about that. Is was it just too much for a team that's never really done shit to mm. think now we're now we're picked to win the conference and we got all all everything MVP, all American on the team, and 
maybe that was just a little too much expectation for this team to handle. Because if now now that you've removed some of that, you know, when you start one and four, now it's like, hey, we just got to just play. Let it all hang out and play. We don't have to play tight. We're not supposed to win the league now. Let's see if we can get on a run. Yeah, Great it's – look, there is not a single player on the Indiana University roster who has ever had a winning record in a conference. Wow. I mean, think about that. Miller Cop yeah. at Northwestern and, uh, and Xavier Johnson at Pittsburgh – no one knows on this team what it's like to even win in their conference, let alone win a championship or make a deep run. It it reminds me a little bit of, you know, Crean's fourth year, which was Cody's first year. There were no expectations on that team. We didn't know how we knew Cody was going to be good, but the team had just shit the bed the year before and no one expected anything. And then we started the year, what nine and Oh, and then beat Kentucky, you know, and then, they figured out they they weren't great in the in the Big Ten, but they had a winning record. And then they yeah. they won two games in the NCAA tournament, made the Sweet Sixteen. But they learned that year how to win with no expectations on them, none. And then that set the stage for the next year where there were real expectations. And look, they won the Big Ten and had an incredible record in the Big Ten, and then lost yeah. in the. In, but but they were ready for those expectations. This team this year, those expectations came out of like circumstance more than right. we we earned them. It was more about all the other Big Ten teams who were so good. Purdue lost Jaden Ivey. Yeah. You know, Wisconsin lost Johnny Davis. Iowa lost Keegan Murray. Like, or, or was is Keegan the brother? Yeah, yeah, Keegan Murray. Like all these guys that left and, oh, well, Indiana's bringing back Trace and Race and Xavier yeah. and Miller. They should be the next team in line. But we didn't earn that. We never earned it. We didn't earn it last year. And now they're having to earn it on the court every game. And I do think for a while they bought into those expectations. And guess what? Northwestern, Iowa, and uh, Penn State did not buy into those expectations. They didn't care what you were, what people thought you were. And now it looks like we're playing with our hair on fire. It looks like we're playing intense from the beginning. And if we do that, we do have enough talent to win. But we got to do that from the beginning of every game. You How's said that? it all right there. You there said you it go. all. You just put a bow on it. That's perfect. There you go. All right. Well, let's hope we don't lose against Minnesota so we don't have to bring you back on. We'll give you a little <laughs> break. And when we go nine and three in our next 12 games, then you're coming back on for sure. But probably before that also. I felt like you just told me to go away, but that's okay. I have been around a lot lately. <laughs> we love we'll having you. We do we sure get do. to see you? Can you give us your face now for a moment? Can we just see your face? Well, I'm crying right now from what you just said, so I don't. I would prefer not to go on camera. <laughs> These tears in my eyes. Fair enough. All right, Brian Evans, everybody, the uh, former Big Ten Player of the Year and one of the greatest who ever laced him up in Indiana and also just – an all-around awesome dude that we love to have on this show. Make sure you go to aurorasleep.com, aurorasleep.com. Check out this revolutionary device and treatment that Brian and Dr. Steve Greeno Green have been working on to help with sleep apnea and sleep issues. It's revolutionary and amazing. Uh, aurorasleep.com. Hey, real quick, I, I had to tell you this. I meant to tell you. Had, a, had somebody came in that heard about us from your guys' show. So we we got a customer from you guys. So I want to yes. 
tell you thank you very much for talking us up and you know just give us a little plug i appreciate it you guys we we presume the checks in the mail (laughs) absolutely yeah all right buddy be good all right you too see you guys see you fella that was our guest that was our guest i've never heard this from you see ya fella yeah i'm full of surprises is that something new you're trying out in your life Oh, yeah. I put a lot of time into it. I tried like seven or eight different send offs last night, and that was the one that just flowed the best. So and I was rehearsing it in my head as I knew we were getting towards the end. And I'm like, here it is. Now's the time to say it. See you, fella. Have you ever referred to somebody as fella before? Oh, yeah. Fellas. Hey, fellas. I've never heard you do that. I you you make fun of rehearsing a, a greeting for somebody. Several years ago, I decided to become the buddy guy. Hey, buddy. I made a conscious choice that I don't remember everybody's name. It's just going to be buddy for people that are around me. So I went with buddy for a long time. I was, hey, man. Sure. Oh, Good sure. to see you, man. But What's I up, didn't man? like man. It didn't connote any kind of friendly, you know, camaraderie. So I went to buddy. Do you want to know the history of of calling? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing, man? You You know where that comes from? I don't. Louis Armstrong. Back in the day, as as Louis was coming up in the music world, and at that point, black people were often called boy by white people, and it was obviously degrading. And so he made a conscious effort to start saying to other black men, whether in music or otherwise in life, he's like, how are you doing, man? And it's, wow. it's just one of a myriad of ways that like Louis Armstrong has affected this country in a very positive manner, but it was very much to lift up, lift up his people. Also why in part our daughters attend Louis Armstrong middle school. And it is, I'm so proud. That's true. Say, That's a true statement. It's, I'm so proud that they go to Louis Armstrong because prior to it being named Louis Armstrong, when our daughter started attending there, it was named Millican Middle School after a, a doctor who was the head of Caltech, like a very prominent scientist back in the 20s, 30s. Turns out, bit of a Nazi sympathizer, bit of a eugenicist. And um, when that was found out, obviously, everybody's like, oh, well, no, we can't do that. So Dr. Milliken out, Louis Armstrong in, and the world is a better place. And the world. What a wonderful world. <laughs> I see trees green. green. Red, Red roses, too. I, I see them all. What are we doing? What are we doing? (laughs) All right. Listen, uh, loved having Brian Evans on. Look, I, I agree with him. What we saw over those three games was unacceptable horseshit. And it is okay to call out unacceptable horseshit. And what we've seen now over these three games is awesome. And it's okay to say both when they happen. I have, I don't believe maybe this is just because you know i've smoked enough weed and i have a bad bad memory and also trouble articulating tough words like bad (laughs) it's a real tongue twister (laughs) but to go from where we were after the xavier north carolina game to where we were 
after Northwestern Penn State to where we are today, it's ridiculous. I've never seen the high to low to high that extreme in that short a time frame in in all of my fanhood. And I, I'm just I'm not as high. I'm not as high as I was after North Carolina. I'm not there yet. Yes, yes, because we we saw those three shitty games. Yeah, because I didn't think we were capable of getting blitzed by um, Penn State, Rutgers. Right. And even Northwestern blitzed us. I know we came back at the end and made it a meaningless one-point game, but blitzed. I didn't think we were capable of getting blitzed by mediocre to bad teams. And 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 so so that's that's adjusted how happy I am right now. But but I'm with you. Yeah, I think the roller to me, coaster is insane. The the roller coaster, but it's it's the joy I've felt in these last three games, and that might actually be heightened because of the prior three games. Sure, that, that is yeah. Just like, like had we just continued to roll, you would expect to beat some of these teams, and so winning them is like it's the difference between. When you're really good, it is the expectations games. Like, we feel it, right? I can't imagine what the players feel. But when you're expected to win and you do against, let's not call it the best teams, but, you know, the mediocre teams, it's a sense of relief that we won as opposed to elation that we won. Yeah. And because of the three, the one and four start, we feel elated that we won these games, especially, I'll say, especially Illinois on the road especially yeah. that one, because that one is a game that even at the beginning of the year, you circle that game is like, we could lose that one. Illinois is predicted to be in finishing the top three, top two. I think somebody picked them to finish first on the road. They're a good coach team. Like we could struggle there to win that game. And in the fashion we won that game. Yeah. I think I would have been ecstatic no matter what, but I totally agree. The, the bump in the road has recalibrated us, as you have said several times, so that these games mean more. And now every game means more. Every single game. Minnesota on the road, I cannot wait. You said it when you left my house yesterday. We wish we were playing last night. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted them to take a quick breather in the locker room and then get back out on the court. And we said it before, and now we can say it again with some joy in our heart. We just we just want to watch fun Indiana basketball for the first time since we started this podcast. And that we and that I got to come over yesterday and we got to enjoy that game together. It was like obviously being in the Big Ten tournament last year with those wins. We had a lot of fun with those. And and whether it be you and I together at your house smoking cigars and watching us kick some ass or then, you know, crawling into bed late at night and spending way too much time on the pigs message board, just going through because there's so there's so much toxicity there and elsewhere on the Internet when things are bad. Like maybe you want to get in there a little bit to have the the commiseration, but I so prefer to go in there and people just starting separate threads to compliment yes. this player or this person or this aspect, oh, it's fun right now. And I, I hope it remains fun for most of this season. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics. No. Oh, my God. I screwed it up. <laughs> screwed it up. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the the sometimes, sometimes why? why? We'll catch you next week. See you, fella. 
from the halls of assembly You'll hear us scream and shout Our love of Indiana is manic and devout Everything I do we discuss in unique manner We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric And as you probably know by now we're Hoosier Hysterics Hoosier Hysterics Hoosier Hysterics You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.